you read that too quickly, you could look at that badly and you could think, so God is going to punish me for something that my great-grandfather did? <laughs> and it's not that. Because right. if you go and you read in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 24, 16, God says he will not punish children for the sins of their parents. So what that means is if they're being punished, it's because they have committed those sins themselves. Yeah. But right here, I believe this is a scriptural proof for the fact that we are taught and ingrained with those practices down through the generations. Welcome to another episode of Real Time Truth, where in 19 minutes you're going to hear a biblical perspective on things you do with every day in your home, work, community, your church, and in the surrounding culture. I'm Matthew McNeil. And I'm Pastor Kevin Brown. Thanks for joining us. And last time, this is the part two to last time's episode where we were talking about breaking the cycle of generational sin. And I want to I want to read a, a quote to you from one article that we were reading whenever we were researching for this. And it was really good. It was on a gotquestions.org site. And it said, each generation has the choice to let their natural inclination repeat the cycle or find a better way. People often want to break negative cycles, but do not know how because of the way the way of thinking they've been raised with has confused them. So last time we established the reality of generational curses or generational sins. It's not just some hokey um, pop psychology thing that you that you might have heard of or anything like that. This is a this is something that we all experience. Just as we were taught positive things from our parents. Yeah. The negative things are passed down as well. Yes. And so just as it talks about in Romans 5 and Exodus 20, the sins of the fathers being passed down to the children, it's not just the nature of sin, you know, just the label of sinful. Mm-hmm. It's more tangible than that. Yeah. And so today we want to talk about how do we break those cycles? Yeah. We do know that sin is passed down and it's learned. We know that, yeah, if you got a belly button, you were born a sinner. There's no question about it. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But generational sin is something that isn't some, as Matthew said, some mystical type fairy tale. It, it, it happens. And you watch families that live from generation to generation to generation just passing down the garbage mm-hmm. that just inhibits families. It's like these the, you meant the old Hatfields and McCoys. Mm-hmm. And you go back and ask them, why do the Hatfields and McCoys fight each other all the time? And they don't even know. Mm-mm. It's just something that we've always fought. And so this is how we are, and this is what we do. And and uh, what that really is, is that's just taught hatred. It is. It is. And so we, we want to talk today about how to, we, we've got to acknowledge that it is an issue. Mm-hmm. And then we want to be able to overcome it. And one of the things that we wanted to make sure, which we actually talked about before we, we started taping this, is that we want you to hear this loud and clear. This is not an excuse, okay? This topic of talking about, okay, stuff has been passed down to me is not an excuse for you to go, well, it's been passed down to me, so there's nothing I can do about it. It's just the way that I am, and my family's always been this way, and we've always acted this way, and you're going to have to be okay with it. Yeah, this is not, I get to blame my parents because of who I am. It's not that. It's just the recognition that you are going to struggle in some areas more than others because they struggled in some areas more than others, and you were raised by them. Yes. That's it. See, folks, we live in a culture that nobody wants to accept responsibility for anything. 
Mm-mm. We want to blame. We're a bunch of blamers. We mm-hmm. blame everybody. The Democrats are pl- blaming the Republicans. The Republicans blame the Democrats, right? Everybody's blaming somebody else. Uh, you watch it in kids. Well, she hit me first, and who? Uh, he took my toy, and we want to blame, blame, blame. It goes back to the Garden of Eden. You know, Adam says, well, you gave Eve to me, God. It's your fault, you know? No, no, no. We have to accept responsibility for who we are. We talked about the fact that this whole issue of generational sin can almost be seen like an iceberg. And, and we see, you know, a part of it is sticking above the water, but there's this massive piece that's under the water. And, and we've got to be willing to get in the submarine, dive down, take the pressure. Our ears are popping and get down there and begin to work and blow this thing up. And it's not easy identifying areas in our lives that we know the Holy Spirit is, is he, he begins to shine the light on it and he goes, this is not acceptable. This, it, this attitude, this way of thinking, th- this, this way that you're choosing to live, this way that you're justifying, rationalizing your whatever, your anger, your bitterness, the fact that you, you can't stop spending money, the, 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 the way that you are condescending to people or uh, bullying your kids because you're trying to feel better about yourself Um, because maybe you were bullied as a kid and your Mm -hmm. parent bullied you and now you're bullying them and it's okay because that's no it's not so we have to acknowledge that Mm -hmm. and we have to ask the holy spirit to show us things about ourselves that really are not pleasant Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like a root canal you don't look forward to it but if you don't have it you're going to have major pain that's going to spread throughout your whole mouth and you're going to lose everything. And that's that's what I think the the harmful or the grievous way that the psalmist talks about there in Psalm 139. He says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, we keep coming back to that in this podcast. I mean, it really is. I mean, the only way, it's the whole point of why we talk about real-time truth. It's injecting truth into just the moment-by-moment living of our lives. And and it's not just truth, it's God's truth. Yeah, yeah. We need to not be afraid to acknowledge that we may have been touched with dysfunction. And, you know, that's... You know, we all have a way of talking about the good old days, um, and we, you know, it's easy to exaggerate or almost sugarcoat uh, a lot of things in our lives and uh, about, you know, how good this was or, or, or whatnot, and that's that's wonderful. We all have wonderful memories. You, you can pick them. You know, it could be Thanksgivings or vacations or, or, you know, a trip with Dad to your favorite fishing hole or whatever the case might be. But we also have those things in our lives that are very hard. Um, there could have been abuse. Um, you could have had a father that was uh, an alcoholic. Um, you could have been raised in a situation where you were food insecure. You didn't know where your next meal was going to come from. You could be raised in a situation where you were very seldom ever encouraged. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you were never told you were loved. Um, maybe you had a father and you're a young lady who never told you you were beautiful. Um, and so um, you, you, we, we grow up with, with um, these lacks in our lives, L-A-C-K-S. We lack in these particular areas that are almost like holes in our lives. Our mm-hmm. lives look like cheesecloth, um, and, and there's, there's holes. And 
we try to fill these holes with with all kinds of things. We can we can fill them with with alcohol or drugs or you know being popular or being liked or possessions, relationships. Exactly. Yes. Next thing you know, you're in the bed with a man who told you that you're beautiful and that he loves you and that you're because you never heard it in your life and, and it just so enthralled you that you were willing to sacrifice your purity because a man told you he loved you and thought you were beautiful. And 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 again, you know, you hear these things and you go, wow, this is this is just really deeper than I wanted to go with this. But see, that's the issue. If we want to break these these sins in our lives, they're chains. And and chains aren't easily broken. It's mm-hmm. not like you're breaking a, a small, you know, uh, cotton string. These are chains. And this is where the Spirit of God must come. And the Holy Spirit um, must identify these areas in our lives and help us deal with these areas in our lives. Some of you out there right now, you're very sad. You're a very sad person. And, and, and you're, there's part of you that's bitter and angry, and you're frustrated. And you don't, and this rises up in you from time to time, mm. and and then and then and then it, it's almost like it, it it ebbs away, but then it comes back again. Why H- have you tried to stop and identify and get still long enough to be with the Lord and ask Him to shine the light in your life and say, Lord, what is it about me that that I'm so frustrated about, I'm, mm-hmm. that I'm struggling about, and. But oftentimes we don't even want to address that. We just want to okay. Let's just let's Netflix Netflix binge. Okay, let me let me go get a beer. Let me let me go get a you know. And, and people find ways to try to solve all this in their lives. And 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 so it's just like an onion. We build layer after layer after layer after layer after layer. And then all of a sudden our relationships with people get very fake. Mm-hmm. Strange. Yes. And and so people look at us and they, and they go, I don't even know if I know this person at all. And the truth is we begin to look at ourselves and we look in a mirror and we don't even know if we know ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's very subtle. Because it like you said, the asking, why am I like this? Why, why, do I, why do I snap at people? Or why do I get so easily discouraged? Or why do I have such a hard time letting go of something when someone does something to me? Those kinds of things. There's something to that. You know, as we were talking about this, even just now, I thought of this. You know, some sometimes people won't be, people aren't objective. Mm-hmm. It's hard to look at yourself and say, you're wrong. <laughs> hey, man. No one wants to be told they're wrong. No. The thing is, though, I used to tell people anytime I was teaching Sunday school or any kind of time whenever I was in a teaching situation, I would ask for an answer and I would tell them, just, just say something. The worst you can be is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to kill you. And the thing is, is after wrong comes right. That's a part of it. It's called repentance. Yes. <laughs> Recognizing you're wrong yes. and then becoming right. But something, a way maybe that might make it a little bit easier for you to think of this is, what are some areas of my life that I would not want to see passed on to my kids? Yeah. That makes it really real. Yes, it does. What are some of my behaviors that... What are behaviors that I practice that I would not like to see my kids practice with theirs? Or I would not like to see my kids practice with their future spouses or with their friends in their network or what might would even hinder them from having friends. And then ask yourself, now what causes me to be that way? 
as you've already said. Yeah. And yeah. let the Holy Spirit shine that light yeah. in that dark corner of your life. Just because, and this is the thing, just because you acknowledge that you have those areas in your life that you've been touched with dysfunction. And I love that phrase because we all have been yeah. in some place or another. It's not, if, if there's any kind of normal that you just mentioned earlier, if there's any yeah. kind of normal, it's the fact that we're all broken. Yes. And we're all touched with that little bit of dysfunction. But the thing is, is acknowledging it doesn't make us any worse than someone else. It doesn't mean that that is the thing that defines our lives. That's right. I mean, you know, even AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, say the first step in trying to get healing and, and with alcoholism is admit it. Mm-hmm. I'm an alcoholic, okay? And, and, and just getting to a place that we recognize our blind spots. Yeah. And we ask the Holy Spirit to show us. I mean, you've been on a highway before. It's a four-lane highway. You're changing lanes. And the next thing, you know, doo-doop, doo-doop, somebody's hammering the horn and you're like you almost just swerved right because you didn't see him it was your blind spot we all have blind spots and so mm-hmm. so we need to surrender and come to the place that we say to the Holy Spirit in our lives and this is assuming that the, that you as a listener are a born again Christian and if you aren't I encourage you to call on Jesus I mean the greatest need that you have that I have is that we're sinners and, and that without Christ, there is no hope for eternity, uh, not in a good way. So surrender. Mm-hmm. Come to the place that you say, okay, Lord, help me to begin to address what it is that I know that you've shown me is my is- it's, it's my issue. It- this is what's going on in my life that I have refused to deal with. Something that he's identified in your life. You've, you've gone down in the submarine. You're at the base of that massive iceberg. And it's time to begin to blow the thing up so that you can move forward in your life. Surrender that and know that it's the Lord that does the work. He's the one that's going to do the work in your life. And, and just come to the place that you say, Lord... I want this to end with me. Mm-hmm. Let it end with me. That I don't want to pass this on to my kids. Um, you know, I've I've got four kids. I've got grandchildren now, and uh, you know, Matthew, I see things in my life uh, that I fight against. I, I've, I fight against you know the way that I'm natured, mm-hmm. um, and the way I'm natured is the way I was raised. I was raised in a home that's just like this. It's like clockwork. Um, we plan our vacations um, right down to a T. We plan what we're eating for breakfast. We plan what we're eating for lunch. We plan what we're eating for supper. People go, you have lost your mind. No, that's the way I was raised. And that was very comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. And so you know how hard it is for me to go on vacation and not know what we're having for supper every single night? It, it's just like I want to know. But then I, I, I'm married to a lady <laughs> who's like that That drives her crazy. And so we, we, we just sometimes just shoot from the hip. I'm not a shoot from the hip guy. Kevin's lost at sea. <laughs> <laughs> so you see what I'm saying? That my structure is good in mm-hmm. that I can be on time, I can be precise. I was sharing with this with you the other day. I'm such a regimented person that I can be talking to you, and if it gets over the allotted time that I have made for you in my schedule for that day, I start getting antsy. Mm-hmm. I start fidgeting in my chair. I start looking at my watch. Don't mean to be rude, but it's like it just starts happening, and I, and I have to remind myself that it's not about me. And so there's, my point is, is I'm, I'm being a bit transparent here, telling you that I'm kind of a bit OCD 
uh, a bit psycho sometimes when it comes to time management, and that that time management's a good thing, but it can also be a bad thing when you actually give the impression to other people that you don't care about me because you're trying to get me out of your office, mm-hmm. or you, Dad, you don't have time for me, Dad, you're trying to answer that next text or or, or close that next business deal, but I've got a t-ball game that you can't ever seem to show mm-hmm. up to because maybe you were taught as a kid that the only way that you're ever going to be praised is when you do something good and you're successful when you close a deal or when you whatever and 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 yet in your heart you know that you want to be there for your kids but somehow you're held back by what you were told that unless you perform and do something perfectly you're not going to be praised and so you, you see I mean I went down one rabbit hole but that's one area that relates to my life and that I'm a performance guy. Mm. You know, I'm not a fun guy a lot of times. I'm like, let's get stuff accomplished. You know, how many emails do you have in your inbox? I have four. Four. And some of you are sitting out there and you've got a thousand fifty. <laughs> and and so I look at you like you're crazy and you look at me like I'm crazy. But we are who we are. Now Again, those differences are fine and all well and good until they get into an area where it leads to, it begins to be over the top and you begin to maybe micromanage somebody's life and you, as, you, know, you don't let a person breathe because you're trying to, to you, you, you're, you're the type of parent that, that has to, you know, you're the, you're the helicopter parent that, because your, your mom was a helicopter parent over you and so you, you have a hard time letting your 16-year-old begin to spread his wings and and so you, you felt stifled and you and, and, and now you're stifling a kid you know and, and you're, you're like do you understand why you're doing this mm-hmm. do, do you understand that you never liked this yourself so why are you doing this now well you're doing it now because that's that little tape recorder playing in your head and that's how you were raised and so okay acknowledge that mm-hmm. and come to a place that you say all right Lord maybe this is not good for my life maybe this is not good for my kids Okay, now show me and help me to be man enough or woman enough to identify it, address it, acknowledge it, and then, Lord, break it in me. And that's it. And before, at the very beginning of this point, you had said surrender. And I love that phrase because the thing is, surrender is a two-sided process. God will do the work, but we have to submit to the work. It's not just a, it's not one of those, I've, I've heard it called this before, like one of those softball prayers where you just kind of toss it up to God and just go right back to normal. You don't get to do that. You don't get to go back to your regular practices when you've recognized and the Holy Spirit has shown you an issue in your life that you need to deal with and just say, okay, well, God, you take care of it. And, and if he doesn't take, get taken care of, then whose fault is it? Well, we're going to blame him, aren't we? Because we like to blame. Yeah. But in the end, he's going to do the work. But we have to submit to that work. And that's surrender. A leader and one who's in submission to that leader. That's the only way it works. Yes. And so once we acknowledge our areas of, were of dysfunction, and then we've surrendered to God and we've said, Lord, let this end with me, that's really starting to kind of get over into the realm of now, I, I don't want this to go on to my kids. Yeah. And so um, I want to share this passage from Ezra real quick. And I love this. Anytime that I'm talking about discipleship, it all comes back to this. And it's Ezra chapter seven, it's verse nine and 10. It says, for on the day, for on the first day of the first month, he began to go up from Babylonia. 
And on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem. Now, again, this is this is not the, the trip with Nehemiah where they're going and building the wall and everything. They're going back to rebuild the temple and restart sacrifices and temple. I mean, not, yes, temple worship mm-hmm. and the temple services. And it says, and so, and he made the trip in five months. Okay, five months for the good hand of his God was on him. That's what verse nine is talking about. Then in verse 10, it says this. This is why, why the hand of God was on him. Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. And that's the proper order. Mm -hmm. You have to know what's right. And we understand that from getting in his word. Then we ourselves must practice it. And then, and only after we've begun to live it, can we then begin to impart that teaching into the lives of others, whether it's a close friend, whether it's a spouse, whether it's our children. We have to live in it before we can teach it. Yeah. As we close up this um, podcast, um, think about what you've heard. Maybe maybe you've listen to both of these podcasts, the part one and this part, um, you know, back to back. Um, and it can be a bit heavy. Um, be willing to, in about 30 seconds, shut this thing off and then sit still before the Lord mm. and just pray and say, Lord, show me the things you want me to know about myself. Show me the things that I've been pushing off, I've been neglecting, that I know that need to be addressed uh, and give me the courage to do it. Mm. And he will. And um, if there's been generational sin, it'll stop with you. And you can be the one that says, it stopped with me. Amen. Because, Amen. And then you'll get to see that distinction talked about in Exodus 20, where it says that he's visiting the sin of the fathers on the third and fourth generation, but his love, his steadfast yeah. love is for the thousands of who love him and keep his commandments. Yeah. That means that there is a time in families' lives where there is a line drawn. There's a line drawn. And sinful and undesirable practices end. And then the blessings of good and godly decisions begin. Amen. So this has been another episode of episode of Real Time Truth. It doesn't get much more real than this. Amen. And so brother. we're so glad that you joined us today. I'm Matthew McNeil. I'm Pastor Kevin Brown. Thanks for joining us. Take care.